0: Good morning everybody. Happy Friday, Good Friday to all of you. What a, an ironic thing to be able to say and really have you ever thought about that, that we call this day Good Friday, when in reality it was the single most horrible day in the history of the world. There is no incident has ever been more tragic and no future event will ever match it. No surprise attack, no political assassination, no financial collapse, no military invasion, no act of terrorism, no act of slave trading which we've had, no ethnic cleansing, no decade-long religious wars. Nothing will eclipse the darkness of what we call Good Friday, not even a vile pandemic uh, that spreads throughout our community. No suffering has ever been so unfitting. I know that may sound hard to comprehend, but no human has ever been so unjustly treated. And again, that, that, that doesn't seem to ring true with all the abuse and harm we face. And that's because we don't understand the worthiness and the majesty of who this Jesus is. Because no other human has ever been so worthy of praise as the Lord Jesus Christ is. No one else has ever lived without sin as our precious Lord Jesus Christ. No other human has ever been God himself in the flesh. And no horror surpasses what's transpired on that hill outside Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. And yet we call it Good Friday. And we learn from this this banner that sort of, is over the top of this whole story, is that what men have meant for evil, God meant for good. And this beautiful message that comes out of what we call Good Friday is that what men have meant for evil, God meant for good. And this banner, this truth can be over our lives too in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the truth, this is the banner that is over the top of every single one of you that have loved the Lord Jesus Christ and believed upon him. It was the single most horrible day in the history of the world. And no incident has ever been so tragic. For Jesus, this most horrible day dawned in Roman custody at the governor's headquarters. His own people had turned him over to this oppressive empire. The the thread that held the Jewish nation together was the longing for this promised ruler in the line of their beloved King David to appear. And the prophets who had come before David and after David had pointed to an even greater king who would come, the Messiah. And yet when he finally came, his people, the very nation that actually organized their whole lives around waiting for him, this very nation did not see him whom they were waiting for. Much worse, they rejected their own Messiah they crucified him. David had seen this propensity for human beings to worship themselves rather than worship the living God. He'd seen how people come against God's anointed. In Psalm chapter 2, in verses 1 and 2, we read this at the hand of David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain, he said, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. David had felt the sting of those who betrayed him. He had been given a position by God and yet those people were sought to take that away from him. And yet this uh, beautiful psalm is prophetic as it points towards the Lord Jesus Christ. David's words had come true for his great descendant as Jesus' own people had turned on him and handed him over to the Romans. Judas wasn't the first person to plot against the Lord Jesus Christ. We learn that as we read the New Testament, it begins back in Matthew chapter 20 and reading on through chapter 22, is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders who felt very threatened by this man Jesus, were trying to entrap him with his words, asking him questions, hoping to trip him up hoping that they could embarrass him in front of the public and diminish his ever-growing popularity. But they could not. And so very quickly they pulled the next card out of the pack and that was that they plotted to kill him. And we see that beginning to happen in Matthew chapter 26. And Judas was the first domino to fall. Judas realised that there was money involved. Judas realised that he could make a bit of money out of handing the Lord Jesus Christ over. It must have been a terrible shock to the other disciples when they realised that the very one who would hand him over was part of their inner circle, the very one who dined at the table with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet as we read Psalms and we read the book of Zechariah, chapter 11, 12 and 13, we find prophetically as God was speaking about this betrayal happening that Judas would take 30 pieces of filthy silver to portray the Lord Jesus. And we learn that that's the price of a slave. He gave away the anointed one, the holy one of God over to the hands of the Romans. The Jewish leaders also were involved in this because Jesus wasn't on his own. He didn't act alone. Satan had filled their hearts and what Satan meant for evil, God had meant for good. And that's why we call it uh, Good Friday. But Judas was working in league with the Pharisees and the, Sar- Fa- Pharisees and the Sadducees, with the chief priests and the scribes. And we learn that he would hand them over, he would hand the Lord Jesus Christ over to them so that Jesus would be condemned and put to death. All according to the foreknowledge and plan of God, as it turns out. The band of soldiers and their captains and the officers of the Jews arrested him and delivered him to Pilate. We learn about this in John chapter 18. And as Pilate would acknowledge to Jesus himself, he said, your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. On the day God's chosen Messiah was grossly and unjustly executed, the human agents of evil those that were in control were gathered there together. All the, the officers, all the chief priests and the scribes, all of those seeking to condemn the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was clear with Pilate who deserved more blame. He said to Pilate, He who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. The very leaders of the nation who should have been pointing the people to welcome the Messiah and embrace him, were the very ones, because of their jealousy and their hatred and their fear, were the ones that handed him over to be executed. Even Pilate, when you think about it, Pilate could tell why the leaders had handed Jesus over to him. He perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. We see that in Mark chapter 15. They saw Jesus winning favour with the people and they quaked at the prospect of their own influence being eroded by him. Jesus' rise to renown posed such a threat to their fragile sense of authority. With an accompanying privileges that came along that, the liberal priests and the conservative scribes began to join together like politicians on both sides of the house, They joined together to this common enemy that they perceived. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. In the web of wickedness, guilty parties serve their roles. The Jewish leaders drove the plan. Uh, Judas served as a catalyst for that. And Pilate too had his own part to play, however passive that may have been. He would try to cleanse himself from the guilt of this by publicly washing his hands in front of everybody and saying he had no part to play in it. But eventually he would hand the Lord Jesus Christ over. He'd have him scourged and handed him over to be crucified. Because just like the Jews, like the scribes and like the Pharisees, he too wanted to retain his position. He too wanted to keep favour with the people above keeping favour with God. He too wanted the privileges that came with his position more than he wanted the favour of God. And so he succumbed to the temptation of self-worship. His heart was filled just like the scribes and Pharisees and just like Judas. And he gave the Lord Jesus Christ over to be executed. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. And this banner should be over our lives. There is not one day, there is not one loss, there is not one pain in our lives over which God cannot write, good in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Pilate tried to bargain. He offered to release a notorious criminal. But the people called his bluff and incited incited by the leaders and they called to release of of the guilty instead. Now, Pilate was concerned. He washed his hands as a show of, that he didn't want to have any part of it. But he eventually released this wicked man, Barabbas. And the people were in no doubt that this man was a sinner and he was guilty of the charges that he'd faced, but so incited by the wickedness of the Pharisees and Sadducees that people would prefer him than the one who knew no sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. The rank and file... The people, the crowd, they played their part. They allowed themselves to be stirred up and they allowed themselves to call out for Jesus to be crucified in the place of a man that was already guilty. And they knew that. You can see this spoken about in Acts chapter 3, 13 and 50, where Peter speaking says, you delivered Jesus over and denied him in the presence of Pilate. And when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy righteous one and ask for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. What God, what the people had meant for wickedness, God had meant for good. And that's why we call this day Good Friday. Neither Herod nor the Romans are clean as well. In the end, in a surprising turn, um, Jews and Gentiles are working together to destroy and kill the author of life. Like the opposition parties in parliament working together, which we rarely ever see. But they had, as the Jews had, a common common enemy. And tragically, that common enemy was the very author of life. We see our own evil in the midst of this too. We see our own evilness as we look at the blackness of this Friday in the light of the good news that we've received from God We learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we delivered him over. We delivered him over. Christ died for our sins, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. So we are as guilty as they are. We learn in Romans 4.25 that he was delivered up for our transgressions. Jesus died on that Good Friday. It was handed over for crucifixion. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. Galatians tells us in verse Four, chapter 1 he gave himself for our sins we are as equally guilty 1st Peter chapter 2 and 24 we learn he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree we meant for evil what we meant for evil god meant for good god was at work through this whole episode of this friday doing his greatest good in the midst of the most horrible evil, over and in and beneath the spiraling evil of Judas and the Jewish leaders and Pilate and the people and all of us who have been forgiven of our sins. God's hand is steady, never to blame for evil, but ever working it out for our final good. As Peter would soon preach, Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God in the midst of what, Humanity was planning to use as something evil. We see the majestic hand of God working for the good of those who would love him. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? The, the majestic sovereign hand of God at work in, even in the midst of men's most wicked and dreadful moment of history. And as the early church Christians would pray, now he prayed this prayer and you'll see it written out in Acts chapter 4 and verses 27 and 28. Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They recognised that though these wicked men were given reign to work out the worst of their sin, God's sovereign hand was at work as well to bring good out of their evil God was at work on Good Friday, doing his greatest good in the moment when men were at their worst. Do you remember the story from Genesis chapter 50, if you you may and you may not, of a man called Joseph who was taken by his brothers out of jealousy? They hated him as a younger brother and they threw him in a ditch and they finally sold him into slavery and assumed that he probably had died. And yet we learn as that story goes along and he ends up in Egypt and actually becomes a rescuer, not only of his own family, but indeed the whole nation of Israel. And we hear this beautiful banner, this beautiful saying that what men meant for evil, God meant for good. What men meant to, for destruction, God actually redeemed and was able to redeem the whole nation through that. And that that banner should be over our lives because of Good Friday. That should be the banner that's over every part of our lives. What Satan, what the world, what our sinful hearts have meant for wickedness. God puts a banner over our lives and said, I can make those things good. I can make your life good. I can redeem those things. God puts this banner over the greatest tragedies of our lives. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 says this, Since God himself did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things for our everlasting good? Amen. God wrote good on the single worst day that this world has ever, ever seen. And there is not one day or one week or one month or one year or one lifetime of suffering, not one trauma, not one loss, not one pain, whether it's momentary or whether it's chronic, over which God cannot write good. In Jesus Christ, he has redeemed us. He has saved us. He's made it good. Satan and sinful man meant that Friday for evil. But God meant it for good. And so we call it the good Friday. And I bid you good Friday and good morning. God bless you.